Welcome back to another episode of This Catholic Life, episode two, where we're diving into the authenticity and how you live your Catholic life. Uh, alongside Nick Longo, I'm Josh Kay, and we are so pleased to be joined by a good friend of ours, a uh, youth minister for the Parish of Holy Family in the Diocese of Syracuse, and Oswego grad. Raise the roof. Raise the roof, Lakers. Raise the roof. All Oswego uh, people in here, two have graduated. Uh, and, <laughs> and he works uh, at Holy Family as the youth minister, uh, directs life team. Uh, uses that Catholic model. Uh, Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Uh, so I guess the, the way that the podcast is, is generally run and that we're hoping to is just getting stories of people's lives, how they've authentically lived their Catholic life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this cycle of, I was a cradle Catholic, I did this, I did this, I did this. But it's how your unique story has shaped who you are. So I guess the first question that we'll start you off with is, growing up, what was the model for you to to live your Catholic faith? Geez, growing up, uh, you know, my, my parents both brought me to church uh, on a weekly basis. When it came to my mom and dad, they were both pretty devout. Um, when I was younger, then going forward throughout my uh, you know my teenage years and stuff like that, we kind of fell away a little bit. And, you know, mass wasn't really an option, um, but virtue was so. You know, although we weren't attending as mass as much, you know, I still attended confirmation and stuff like that. Um, but it was much more of, you know, the kindness model, living through virtue um, and, and try to go that route and being a family guy. Um, that was the most important thing in terms of creating some kind of relationship with God at that point in my life. Um, but I didn't really have uh, the religious, you know, I had the religious education, but I didn't, we didn't have youth ministry like, you know, we have now, which I, th- I wish I had that when I was younger. Right. Things would be a lot, yes. a lot different. Uh, but then I, I'm blessed to be here. So uh, I can't complain about that. But yeah, in terms of like, you know, my faith life when I was younger, there wasn't, you know, that extremely solid um, church background. But, you know, with all things that have gone on in my life since then, it's a, it's a different story now. So what do you think? your high school experience was like compared to what you think high school experiences are with kids who have a youth ministry program, maybe a life teen model, maybe, um, you know, it's another um, Christian denomination that uses young life or uses different things. Like, what do you think your high school experience could have been had you had a model? Um, I think it could have been more um, in terms of being able to more freely express myself. I think it would have allowed me that that opportunity. I think you, you fall into opportunities that, or not opportunities. You fall into um, falls of peer pressure, things like that when you're in, in high school. And it's, it's easier then. I was fortunate enough to have like such a good upbringing that I didn't get involved in um, a lot of the things that, you know, other teens are dealing with today. Um, you know, when it came to like alcohol, drugs, things like that, never went that route. But certainly in terms of peer pressure and things like that, not feeling like I could able uh, to fully express myself and who I really was in there, um, you know, youth ministry could help me with that. And I think it could, you know, I had really, really close friends and I'm still friends with today that I think a lot of our teens don't have, at least that I work with. Um, it's just interesting. I, I, I draw this comparison because one time I was doing a Bible study uh, at Wegmans and I remember when we went upstairs, uh, I went and ran into one of my kids, and the first thing he says, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm not, I'm not hanging out with you guys tonight. And I was like, whoa, man, I was just saying like, hey, how's it going, how's life? Uh, I hope you're having fun with your friends here. Because <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people you uh, faith as a, a thing that they can't ex- express in front of their friends. So I think certainly if I had, uh, 
you know, youth ministry at, at that point in my life. I think it it would have made a difference in terms of, um, you know, showing the importance of mass, showing importance of having like really true authentic relationships. Although I did have some of those friends that were great. I had friends that weren't like that and that were trying to draw me to a bunch of different things that I'm sure teens that that will be listening to this um, are kind of feeling this, the same thing. Um, so I think it would have helped me out with that. So, um, you know, you're growing up and then you go to college and, you know, the Lord says that in scripture, it says, you know, the Lord's power is made perfect through weakness. Mm-hmm. What do you think your you know, biggest weakness was uh, growing up? That's a great question. Um you know, I, at first I went to OCC, Onondaga Community College, right here in Syracuse. I got recruited there for tennis, and everything was kind of laid out for me really nicely. I had a great broadcasting program, really close friends with that. Uh, I was involved in the, the choir, and then also I was involved in the tennis team, 2008 National Champs. I always say that. Woo, yeah, there it woo. is. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just, I'm, 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 I'm not mural, saying that to impress you. You're on the wall at OCC. <laughs> <big deal. laughs> yeah, but then um, I went to Oswego, and I think the, the biggest thing for me uh, was that I felt like I didn't have any friends, and I felt like the, the one way that I could search through friendships at college was to <laughs> search the, the relationships in all the wrong places, I guess. And uh, when I had gotten to college and gotten to that point, um, I'd gotten involved in a fraternity, and I bring that up to my kids all the time and, and talking about you know authentic life and authentic relationships. And uh, you know, I thought that this is the you know the cool place that, where I, I was always partying and, and going about that route. And that's where I, my weakness is that I put my trust in people that I shouldn't have, have had trust in and that I was seeking out friendships in all the, all the possible wrong ways that you could seek out friendships. I sought them out, um, you know, whether it was through, you know, um, alcohol or, or those routes or, um, you know, being a part of, you know, fraternity, like I said before, or going to different house parties and things like that. Those are all the places that you don't want to seek it out. And I think that was my weakness is because I, I kind of just went along with what the world had told me um, would lead to, to happiness at that time, um, which was that, you know, you have to, you know, do this different stuff at these different parties in order to fit in, in order to feel happiness. And in order to ease that whatever pain you're feeling in terms of not finding friends, things like that. So I would say that that was my weakness, that it, it was easy to follow the crowd at a time when I should have been following God. I think the unique perspective we find in interviewing you, Chris, that we may not find with other people is that we've all shared that same experience of the similar college at Oswego State, mm-hmm. and we know the trials and the hardships that you face there. And we're not going to sit here and try to say that any other college experience is any harder or any easier to find those authentic relationships but we all share that same thing and how incredibly hard it was to to find God in those situations uh, was was there ever a point where you hit a, a rock bottom place that gave you this like what, what what am I doing where am I going from here and how do I get myself back to that virtue that you had when you were growing up as a kid yeah, absolutely. Um, there came a point, I remember I was sitting in the library and I was um, I was just really upset because I'd heard rumors about what was going to happen in the night. And for those who aren't familiar with the, the pledging life, um, you know, you go through an initiation process and they, they trip you up with rumors and stuff like that and try to get into your mind. And I remember I called my dad 
that. And um, I was like, Dad, I just have no idea what I'm going to do. My dad, who's not, you know, like I said before, we went to Mass when we were younger. He's not particularly a faithful guy now. He told me that, um, you know, you need to go down to the lake and pray. And I never, you know, thought about that. And um, I remember I, I went down to the lake that day and I had some some choice words with God that I won't repeat on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> um, Actually, you can. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a podcast. It's not, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just say that, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where I was just like, God, if if you got something for me, you got to show me right now or else I'm, things are just not good. I need to show you need to show me which way to go. If you're up there, show me the way to go. Next day, I ended up in the hospital, man. And, uh, you know, I, the guy was just like, here you go. Jesus, uh, there's your answer. Uh, ended up in the hospital and then uh, went home for some time to heal up. And, um, and then I was driving back to college with my mom. And she said, you know, Chris, you can, I remember we pulled over to the pizza at the top of the hill is one of my favorite spots to go. And she said, Chris, you either have an, I, I think you know the answer, but I, I'm telling you right now as your mom, I, th- I really don't want you to do this anymore. I don't think it's the right thing to do. And, and that same day I called my pledge master, um, who's the head of our pledging process and said, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, so that's where it kind of uh, started to change for me towards the better. So, um, after that point, uh, I had gotten involved at the Newman Center. I went to Mass about two weeks later. And uh, I met Mike Wynn, who's one of my mentors and someone who's really respected in the Diocese of Syracuse. He's the head of campus ministry for Syracuse Diocese now. Um, you know, he just said, Chris, uh, it's really nice to meet you. Just come to one of our um, one of our nights where we have dinner. We just meet on Monday nights and we just, you know, eat and hang out. It's not something where, like, Jesus freaks throwing Bibles at you. Uh, we just want to hang out. And at that point, I was like, no, no, I definitely don't want to do that, but thanks. But I came a couple weeks later, and from that point on, it just grew. And um, I loved it. And they, they were people that were going through the same struggles, the same things that I've been going through. Uh, they were feeling the same things that I was, um, struggles in faith, um, not trusting in God's plan, uh, different things like that. I got involved in the retreats. Uh, I got involved in the um, singing. I got involved as a lector. I was participating in the Mass in any way I could. Um, working retreats, PR intern, uh, public relations, and it just grew from there. And that's the, I'm thankful for that opportunity because now um, God, through that experience that I had gone through um, at the lake, uh, led me to that point to go to church. And, you know, without that experience, I wouldn't be here today. So That's awesome, man. So, you know, now you're in youth ministry and you're working. Tell me, what was the journey that got you from you graduate with a PR degree from us? We go yeah. to you're here in youth ministry. You know what the heck? Like, how did the dots connect? Man, you know, when I what's the saying? It's whenever you you have a plan, uh, God kind of laughs at it. Um, so. Uh, my plan was that I wanted to be, uh, after college, I wanted to um, get involved as an event planner um, for an agency or whatever way I was, I was going to go about that. But first, I, I got involved. I, I applied for a job with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I applied for different jobs um, in sales. So I got involved in a job out in Syracuse, working at CGI Communications. And um, I remember I, I hated that job right off the bat, and it just never got better. Um, you know, I was the third best associate in the company at what I was doing, but I hated what I was doing. So... If you hate what you're doing out there, uh, stop. Um, so I was doing that, and uh, and then after that, I, I moved back home without any sort of plan. I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. And uh, came home, applied for a job at Turning Stone uh, Resort Casino as an events assistant, got that job. And then I got promoted to an entertainment supervisor, Exit 33, which is Nightlife Entertainment. And um, <clears throat> 
went about that. And then one day, I, even though I loved my job and everything that I was doing, I felt like, you know, I was making a difference. Uh, a lot of people knew me. I loved music. And for those who know me, I'm all involved in music. I do music theater, things like that. Um, one day they pulled me off and said, you know, we don't have a job for you anymore because we had to um, downgrade the budget. We don't have the money to pay for your position. And uh, here are a couple other positions we want you to take. But I, I just said, you know what, this is not my route for me. So then I was at a rock and a hard place. I remember I was sitting uh, at my camp. Uh, my dad wasn't there in the middle of wintertime, just like just sitting there pondering. And uh, not going to lie, I had a beer in front of me. I was like, oh, do I... What do I do? You know, what do I do at this point? And when you hit rock bottom, once again, um, the Lord has a, a weird way of working his his way into things. And um, I started applying. I saw this job at Holy Family. I, I, a lot of the qualifications that I'd had throughout my life in terms of working in ministry. I was a volunteer at St. Mark's Church in Utica um, teaching confirmation. And I said, you know what? It has a lot of my event planning capabilities. Why not try to bring that here? Um, I remember I had my first interview here. I Well, first I, I pulled Father Pryor aside after a mass and I was like, hey, hey, uh, listen, man, I'm totally interested in this job. He's like, oh, yeah, you're the Turning Stone guy. I was like, not anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm totally interested in this job. And I remember for the first interview, I was like, no way do I, I want this job. Um, you know, I really wasn't into it. And then the second interview, they brought me to a golf course. Of course, that's how they tie me in and because <laughs> I love golf, as you guys know. Oh, sure. Um, and they, they just we had an interview and they said they, they really liked me a lot. And uh, I, I dove on this opportunity after they offered it. It was really difficult at first, I'm not going to lie, because I didn't have any youth ministry experience. Um, but it's amazing what God can do with people who, um, you know, it's not the most experienced. It's those that he calls, um, that he thinks he has the capability, you know, just like the disciples. Um, you know, they were just a bunch of fishermen, you know, not not knowing too much about God. And they immediately just dropped their nets and followed him. And I think it was kind of the same process for me. Um, you know, I just kind of uh, surrendered, um, told my core team that I didn't have a ton of experience, but that if you guys can help guide me and show me what I need to do, uh, I grew from that. Um, went through some really, really difficult times uh, that just unbelievable struggles that you guys, I'm sure you've experienced sure. in your ministries before, yeah. um, you know, not being able to grow it and being nervous about some things that were coming up. And uh, it was just one life night that kind of put everything into perspective. We had, I think we had like 60 kids one night and it was just after I, I had had this moment and I'd met with a priest friend of mine um, who kind of just said, hey, you know, just hang in there. You can do this, man. And I, after praying in front of the Eucharist and really like trying to do this thing, just had 55 kids. And we had like, a, I, I remember I brought the guys outside. We had a kumbaya moment outside next that. to the fire. You remember that? Yeah. It was really, really awesome. And I just remember the core team were like, we were so pumped up about how that night went. And then from that moment on, I think even being here for three years, I think five of the best life nights happened in that sequence mm. after that, after that moment, just, that's just, you know, the glory of God working in a, in a tough situation after you poured your heart out to him. And especially in front of the Eucharist at that point. Um, and then from there I was able to grow my ministry and, and do things kind of my own way and experiment. And, uh, it's just been great ever since. We've been praying about in the first podcast and then throughout just different conversations that Nick and I have had about the idea versus authenticity versus plagiarism in your life. Sure. And the idea of we know what we need to do to get to heaven and we know that, you know, we go through the motions of thinking that we're doing it right. But when it comes down to it, can we really give this up? 
to serve God? Or can we really let go of this and do this in a certain way? You know, that's God's will and not your own. Has there been an aha moment for you in your life in maybe your retreat or maybe just in your job or your ministry where you've been like, that's it. I know exactly what I'm doing. And for the rest of my life, um, you know, whatever God has for me, I'm going to do it. Ooh, that's a tough question. Well, I'll, I'll say two things. Um, one, for my own personal life, um, you know, going to Theology of the Body um, in my first year was definitely something that that helped me realize some of the things that I had, I had to let go in my personal life um, that, you know, were going to lead me in the right direction. And I remember I was driving to Theology of the Body with a couple of my friends and I was like, guys, we can turn around right now. We don't need to go to this thing. Like, because I was totally nervous going to it because I, you know, I think a lot of us and, you know, the listeners out there have a feeling they, they know what they need to let go in, in, of in terms of following the Lord. Um, and I think I kind of knew that. And I think when you, the first thing you got to realize is that, you know, God is not looking down on you because of you know these sins that you commit. He's there to walk with you through them. Sure. You know you, you got to work through, the, through these experiences. He's, he's not going to love you less because of this stuff. Um, so I went to this conference and I came to realize that. And I remember after hearing one of the talks of Chris West, who was the speaker, um, one of the nights. You hear the truth and it's like you know. It's 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 yeah. an unbelievable feeling. Maybe some of the listeners out there haven't experienced it yet, but you hear something that's just so unbelievably profound to you um, that you're like, this can can't not be true. Right. Right. So I remember I left that that talk that night. And I was walking back to my cabin, which was about a quarter mile away. And it was just a beautiful night. And it's just like I literally wanted to jump to the moon and back. I, I just was so excited. And I've never felt the Holy Spirit, I feel like, in my life. And I felt like at that moment, um, like, I just felt tingly. I was, like, super excited. I remember I, I, I've i told you guys this experience before. But, like, I, I went to my back to my cabin and I, I took a shower. I got out and I was like, I gave myself a 15-minute sermon in the, in the mirror about what I had just learned that day. And then I went out in the middle of the woods at nighttime without a flashlight for, like, an hour. And I was like, God, God, you can lead me. It's fine. I'm not even worried. <laughs> Let a bobcat come out and kill me right now. I don't care. Um, so it's so feeling that I would say that was the one pinnacle moment in my life where, other than the experience by the lake, that I finally heard, you know, God's will for me in my life in terms of getting rid of some of the things in my life that were going to really help me follow Him more. Um, I think when it's come to retreats. I feel like every moment on, on a retreat, you get something from it. I, I think the biggest experience for me that I knew that I could do this um, was at my first Steubenville conference. And I remember I didn't sleep that night. I remember four o'clock, my alarm went off to go to Subi, And I, I was just like, <laughs> it's nice to hear that because I haven't gotten a minute of sleep. <laughs> and I, I remember I was so nervous. And um, this is like three weeks after I'd started. And I, uh, I went on this retreat and I still hating it, hating it, hating it. But as I started going on throughout that first day after we left the uh, amusement park, I was like, you know what? These people are so nice to me, like, and they don't even know who I am. And so um, I remember that night we were playing Ultimate Frisbee, and the kids were like, come play with us, Chris. Like, come, let's have some fun. And they were giving me high fives. And I was like, you know what? That's when I knew that I could do this. Um, it's a weird thing for me to say that, like, but it's just like that one, and maybe if you're a kid out there that's listening, it's just that like one high five or like that one like motivating thing from someone that they want you here. And I remember I went to Steubenville and I, <laughs> for those who have been at Steubenville, especially with Holy Family, um, sometimes in the past, our kids are a little bit more charismatic than usual. And I, I remember going through adoration. I was a little bit freaked out. And I remember some people were like, hey, don't quit on us now. You can still do this thing. Please don't leave us. I know this is kind of different. And I'd never been to a youth conference before and seen anything like this before. But still, 
seeing God at work through those kids in those moments still showed me that God is so real and he's so out there and he's so ready to, to come at you. He's, as we always say that, uh, especially to our kids, that God's always seeking us out. It's just the problem that we're not seeking him. Um, yeah. And I think that's um, that's where I really started to realize during retreats and stuff that, you know, you always get something from a retreat, whether you're a teen or you're a core member or you're a youth minister. Um, but those are some of the moments for sure. Amen. What has uh, been your most powerful moment with a teen so far in your ministry? Most powerful moment with a teen? Um, I think you guys can attest as youth ministers, like, the best moments always come um, when you're either praying with the team or you're able to give them advice. Um, and we have teens uh, that struggle with multiple things, whether it's, uh, you know, number one thing here is like suicidal thoughts, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, things like that, um, that unfortunately our teens are struggling more and more with uh, each and every day. Um, I think some of the best experiences happen, especially in the second year uh, seniors um, with them. I remember one time we, we finished up with our passion play. It was a beautiful, motivating moment to, to show um, Christ's passion, all that he'd done for us. Uh, through his suffering on the cross, um, that we were able to relate that to um, our church family here, um, a holy family. And the kids, you know, I, I never really, I, I never asked for this, nor do I want it, but like the kids um, had called me back up and they offered me a cross that was blessed, blessed by our Pope. And, and they, they gave this whole presentation to me, thanking me for all the work that I've done. Um, and, it, you know, it doesn't come across because... For those who worked in youth ministry, it's a grind. You know, it's it's. I'm not going to say it's a thankless industry, but it, <laughs> you don't you don't because you're you're so focused on focused on the mission and so focused on the goal of bringing teens closer to Christ that you don't you forget um, that you can be thanked sometimes and you can and that God's trying to give you consolation in those moments. Yeah. Um, so I think that definitely in that moment there was a lot going on there for me. I think. Actually, the best moment that I've ever had with teens um, happened in my first confirmation, not at Holy Family, at St. Mark's in Utica. Um, the first time that my kids got confirmed, um, it was very emotional. And it's and when you see them out there getting um, blessed by the bishop with the sacred chism and, and moving uh, as a confirmande um, of the church, um, it's an unbelievable experience that they're fully initiated, they're fully in there, and to realize that you were a part of that. Um, and that they're coming up afterwards saying like, thank you so much. And, and then the parents are coming up to say, thank you. Oh my gosh, the, the, the things that you did for our kids. Um, it's unreal. So anytime that you're able to do that or anytime that you're able to talk to a kid, like whether it's at Steubenville, someone that's struggling. Um, you know, I had a girl that was struggling last year. Uh, she'd struggled for years, suicidal thoughts and different things like that and bringing them into the church and praying over them and saying that you changed the whole scope of the retreat for them and that they were super thankful for that. Or when you, you go to a kid's sporting event, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I went to a Solvay baseball game. Um, one of my favorite kids, Jake Dibble, when you're able to see that and that they thank you so much that how much it means for you to go to their games, that, that means a lot to me. So. Besides you having the passion of your work, you have other interests. And I know, you know, from getting to know you a little bit and just kind of learning and researching you as a person, uh, you have this gift um, of music uh, and you've been in some plays and some musicals before. 
What fruits have you seen from that in your life um, in regard to how you live your life, how you portray your life, and, and kind of the, the desire and the passion that you have in, in that field? Sure. The, the first thing I always say to people is they're like, how can I contribute to the church? And um, I always say this, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a musician, whether you, um, you know, you're a mathematician, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, no matter what you do, you can, you can contribute to this church in some way. I say some of the biggest examples that we see out there today um, is based on like Steph Curry, basketball player. Mm-hmm. Guy is devout Christian. Um, he loves marriage so much that when he plays um, his games, he has to take his ring off. He has a tattooed ring on his finger just to show how much marriage means to him. Yeah. Um, when I, I have a, ba- a baseball player named Jake Dippel, one of the things that he always does is he um, he writes in the sand on the pitcher's mound. He writes uh, whether it's a biblical verse or it's the cross. Uh, and then he also has um, Bible verses on his shoes and he plays with prays with his um, teammates before the game. Um, it's stuff like that, using your talents to that. Um, this past summer I did a musical carousel. Um, it was just an amazing experience for me. Uh, not because I met my girlfriend now, um, I really got to know my girlfriend now, um, but because, it's not because of what I experienced on stage, although it was amazing and I really thought I portrayed the character. Um, if For those who haven't seen Carousel before, it's about this guy who commits all these bad crimes, yet at the end of the story he's still able to make it into heaven, which is an unbelievable thing. You know, you see that with a lot of the saints. and. Um, for me, the best experience came uh, by bringing up half of my cast to come up and pray with me on stage before it went on stage, which is an unbelievable thing, especially I'm not, I'm not going to try to down the theater world, um, but let, I'm just going to say that, you know, there's not a ton of Christ followers, you know, maybe in that industry, but um, to be able to bring them upstairs and pray with them and to be able to feel that family environment, to feel the Holy Spirit working through us and to be able to bring that to the stage afterwards, like... If they didn't get anything from me on stage, at least I hope they got something from that prayer that we did beforehand. And it's just the little things that you can do, whether it's at your job, um, it's pulling someone aside when you know they're having a bad day and just saying, like, listen, you know, I'm praying praying for you. Let's say a quick Our Father right now. Um, it's the stuff like that that really bring it. You know, you can you can talk all about, you know, going to Mass and stuff, and there's nothing more important in terms of, like, the foreground of our faith than celebrating Mass in front of the Eucharist. That's, that's very, very important. But it's the little things that are going to lead big things to happen and big conversions to happen for people. Um, you know, a lot of times those who struggle with suicide or things like that, there's a story out there right now. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but someone was struggling with suicidal thoughts so much that they were going to kill themselves that day. But it's literally that one person said hi at that person's locker that deterred them from doing that. And then those two became best friends and they and they went on to write a book and things like that. But it's just the small things and it's the small things that our teens do and the small things that I try to do um, in my ministry that um, help, you know, people grow to Christ and help people grow to Christ and help me grow to Christ. That's awesome, man. Um, you talked a lot about, um, you know, prayer influencing your life. Like how has that, you know, as you've deepened in your faith over these past couple years, like how has that played a part in your life? Yeah, so... One of the things that, if you haven't listened listen to Matthew Kelly, I highly suggest you do it. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that he talks about is don't don't just try train. It's the idea that um, we can sit here and we can we can go to mass once a week, and we we because Catholics think that they can just go to mass once a week that God's going to like boom right into their life and it's going to be great. But what he talks about is just starting with that five to ten minutes a day, um, praying five to ten minutes a day. The thing, the reason why he got involved so much in faith starting off was that he would just go in the back of a church and we'd sit there and plan his day. And he would just talk to God about his day in a little bit until he realized that he felt like he wasn't praying as much. Then he would spend time in prayer and he would do that. And then from there on in, 
Um, a priest invited him to come to Mass on, on, once a week. So he went to daily Mass once a week. And it's amazing, once you get like a little taste of faith and a little bit of taste of this form of prayer, then you want to you dive deeper because you experience something. And if you don't experience something right away, um, we live in a culture that says, oh, we got to feel something right away in order for us to, to really get involved, whether it's our jobs or whether it's a relationship. Oh, man, I got to really feel this compassion with this girl before I you know, you know, know, <laughs> take the next step with her. Um, but it's just the little things that, and realize that maybe you won't feel something right away, but it's just sticking to it. And it's don't just try. Train yourself to keep on pushing through because, you know, we can sit here and try all we want, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be the best athlete. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be the best youth minister if I just keep trying. I got to train myself to continue to, to pray, to dive deeper, to really discern what God's will in my life. And, you know, I can pray to him so much about the thoughts and things that are in my mind, but I have to be ultimately going to take the time to sit there and listen and to, to sit there in silence and to really listen to how God's trying to talk to, talk to me. A lot of times it happens through people. And that should offer you, um, any listener out there, the opportunity um, to be more patient with people, um, to realize that God is working through everybody, whether they're a follower of Christ or whether they're not. You know, God is trying to speak through that person to you in some way, shape, or form. Um, so it's the idea that we need to be patient and willing to um, accept God's message when he's willing to listen, whether it's through other people or an action that happens that day. Or maybe it's a tough thing that you're going through in your life. Maybe God's trying to offer you a challenge um, to overcome that challenge in order to lead you to the goal of being a better person, whether you're dating someone or whether you have a vocation of the priesthood sure. or whether you're an athlete. So, Well, as we wrap things up here, Chris, we're doing this segment and we found out some pretty unique things about different people as we've done this segment where we just do rapid fire. Just okay. ask you questions about your life oh, and just whatever comes to your mind. So Nick and I have a few questions. We'll go back and forth with you just to okay. kind of give the, the listener kind of this mental picture of who Chris Spilka is. Okay. Um, so first question for you, favorite pizza topping? Favorite pepperoni for sure. Great. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Uh, ooh, this is a tough one. But I will have to say um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, even though Brangelina is over. Um, it's still one of my favorites. Sad day, isn't Sad it? day. Man, favorite saint? Favorite saint. St. John Bosco, patron, patron saint, did a lot of good things for, for kids, and he's my patron saint. And also, that's funny that it led me to now I'm, that I'm working with kids. You know, I always think that that's a funny way to tie in. I would say if you're a confirmation student that's listening out there, you know, make sure you, you pick the right saint because that can be lead, to, lead you to what you want to be now. And study him. <laughs> yeah, study him. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what's your favorite form of prayer? Favorite form of prayer, Alexio Divina, for sure. Um, part of my men's group here at Holy Family and um, some of the best experiences, some of the best messages I've gotten through Alexio Divina, uh, for sure. Definitely check it out. What is that, just for the listeners who might not know? Alexio Divina is... Um so what you do is you listen to a scriptural passage, um, and typically what you do is you focus on a word or a phrase after it's read, um, or during when it's read, you focus on a word or phrase that you feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you in that moment. Um, and after you reflect on that, it's the opportunity, it's read again, and then you can either open it up into a group setting um, and talk to the guys about what you think um, God is calling you to do in that specific moment through that reading, um, or... Uh, it's the opportunity for you to journal or to, to do things like that if you're not in part of a, a group setting, things like that. So it's awesome stuff. Favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Um, I'd have to go with Daredevil. I know, is, that, is that bad? Love it. No, no it's pretty awesome. daring. Isn't yeah, it? Be fearless. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, what's your favorite book that's encouraged you along this journey? 
Um, there's a book I read a while ago called Heart of a Champion, and uh, it's a baseball book, and it's uh, it's a really great story. Um, and I would I would definitely encourage you to to read that. The other book's the Bible. I mean, you can't can't doubt that. It's a great motivational book for sure. Your biggest mentor growing up? Biggest mentor. Um, I would have to say both my parents. I mean, my, my dad especially, he'd been through a lot in his life, and he's a very wise guy, um, and he's helped me through a lot of different situations. Like, like no problem. He seemed like my problems weren't even that big of a deal with the way he was talking to me, but he, he's just, he, he always gave me some, some really good things in, uh, in my life, and he's helped me through some difficult times. And I would say the other person is Mike Wen. He helped me in ministry up at Oswego. Anything you want to leave the listeners with? Um, stick to it. Uh, I know this faith thing is, is, is really, really difficult at points. You go through dry spells. You go through amazing points of consolation and desolation. But um, you got to start off with the small things, small things, just praying five to ten minutes a day. That's all you got to give starting off. And you're going to realize that there's going to be so many fruits that come from that. And um, the things that have happened in, in my life that have helped me grow more in faith was that five to ten minutes that I gave a day just to keep trying to push through um, dry spells. And really pour it. When you're going through a tough time, um, to pour it out to the Lord and let him know exactly what you're going through, exactly what you're feeling. Um, because he wants you to do that. He loves that. And when you try to hide that, I mean, there's no way he's God. It's, you know, you can't hide behind the tree, you know, like, you know, Adam did and, and Eve. Um, he knows you're there and he's, he's willing to help you as long as you're willing to reach out and, and try to get it going. So stick to it. It's going to be all right. You got it. From number one on stage to number one in our hearts. Chris, thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, we uh, cer- we certainly appreciate having you uh, as, a, uh, as a mentor to some of these uh, young people here. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Stay tuned for more episodes of This Catholic Life. Check out our website, our Twitter, and everything going on for more updates. And uh, tune in next time for um, another guest on uh, This Catholic Life.